Tonight we want to continue our study of God, the attributes of God. Last week we looked at the glory of God. And tonight, for just a few moments as we have together, I want us to talk about God is love. Now in today's world, if we had one thing that we as the world would sum up God, Basically, that's all they would say, wouldn't they? They would say, God is all about love. And in one sense, they're, they're right. God is all about love. God is a God who loves us, who has continued to show his love for his people all throughout history. All throughout the time that this world has been in existence, God has shown his love But where the problem comes in is recognizing what love is, how it's defined, how God uses it, and how God's shown it. And that even when we think about love, we always think about uh, showing our emotion or showing our care for someone or giving them something or helping them or... Uh, surrounding them and this, that, and other. And true, that is all with God as well. But also, love is on the other side of that coin in the sense that discipline must come. Love is not always just ooey-gooey and uh, all this stuff that you think about when it comes to love, a Valentine's kind of love, we'll say that. Um, love also comes in discipline. In things that we as children growing up, we couldn't understand. When mom or dad or grandma or grandpa said, the reason I'm whipping you is because I love you. That was the hardest thing for me to figure out through the years. You just don't beat something that you love. (laughs) Well, then, guess what? I had children. You had children. And it all made sense, didn't it? It all made sense that we show our love through discipline, through things that are not comfortable for our children. And God is the same way. But in our study thus far, we have looked at the existence of God and noticed many of his divine attributes. As far as him being eternal and omnipresent, his omniscience and his omnipotency and his spirit, uh, we've looked at a lot of different things. And again, these attributes that simply make, who, who make God up, who God is. And being God, he possesses those things. So tonight I want us to look at examining the attributes of God that are directly related to us. And over the next uh, week or so or whatever, we're going to examine the goodness and the severity of God. So we want to begin tonight examining the love of God. The Bible has so much to say 
about the love of God. Uh, we can't even really begin to cover uh, that topic in, in just a single lesson or whatever the case may be. But I hope tonight and in the next week or so to highlight some of those areas and some of those things about the love of God. So first tonight, I want us to identify what love is. And then once we do that, we will be able to see how God has demonstrated this love to us. And then finally, we'll examine our reaction to uh, His love. So what is love? You've heard the thought and the term called agape. Many times through the years in your studies, a word that uh, we hear uh, not so much all the time, but a lot of times we do. But it's a word that is greatly misunderstood. What of what agape love is. It's misunderstood in our English language because of its multiple uses of the word. Everything from the love of a spouse or a child to the love of friends to objects and activities. That's how the word can be used. But people often equate the word with emotional love. But that is not, let me say it again, that is not the way the word we're addressing is used in the Bible. Agape is a most noble word. If you go and you begin to do a word study upon this word, but it is associated with the Christian life. In fact, many scholars attribute this word exclusively to Christianity. Uh, it is found at the pinnacle of the Christian graces. When you go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 5 through 7, we see that it is listed there at the very, uh, very pinnacle of the Christian graces. And when you begin reading at verse 5, <clears throat> let's see, 1 Peter, let me make sure I got that right. 2 Peter, I'm sorry. 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verses 5 through 7. It says, And besides this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge. You know these scriptures well. And to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly love or kindness, love of the brethren, and to brotherly kindness, charity. The pinnacle, if you will, of the Christian graces. We see this in 1 Corinthians 13, as known as the love chapter. If you have time, go and read that chapter. It's always a good read to go and read that and think about it again. The greatest command that was taught by our Lord in Matthew chapter 22, uh, in verses 37 and 39, the bond of perfection, Colossians 3 and 14. And then we can end that thought in Galatians 5 and 22 through 23 as the fruit of the Spirit. And in all of these areas, it is found at the pinnacle of Christianity, of what love, agape love, is and as we go through our lesson we shall see that it's manifested in this great in its greatness form in God's love for us 
It's the foundation of every relationship that we are involved in from God. Now notice right there what I said. Every relationship that we are involved in from who? God. To our brethren, to our neighbors, our family, our friends, and guess what? Even our enemies. It's a subject that we cannot learn too much about and fully understanding what this agape love is. When you go and you search this word throughout the Greek, agape, which is defined by fair, is to be full of goodwill and exhibit the same. It is often difficult to describe because it's not really an emotion, but it involves an emotion. So tonight we're saying all of that. You may say, well, what is he really trying to say? All this stuff about love, and it's an emotion, but it's really not an emotion. It's involved with all the relationships with God and those types of things. Let me see if I can simplify. The best definition that I can come up with for this word is, is still caring enough to sacrifice what is best. You find that description fits how we are to act in every relationship. Being able to care enough to sacrifice for what is best. Now you think about that. When we have agape love in the relationships that we have within God, we will be willing to sacrifice what is best. And that involves a whole lot of maturity, doesn't it? To be able to sacrifice for what we may know as well, we know this is the best thing that needs to happen. Am I willing to sacrifice whatever the case may be for what's best in this particular situation? So tonight we'll consider this and examine how God loves us and in return how we are to love God. God is love. 1 John chapter 4, as we read just a moment ago. John, uh, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8 says, he loveth, he loveth not, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Now if you go on in that same chapter in verse 16, notice what it says. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Both passages specifically state that God is love. But what, what does that mean? What does that mean that God is love? And when you read that whole chapter in 1 John 4 there, you hear and see that all the way through it, don't you? God is love. God is love. Love is God. God is love. 
uh, a lot of different things, a lot of different ways to look at that. But you know, not that all God is can be summed up in the word love. He possesses other attributes besides this love in things that we've already discussed in our, in our series. In other words, God is not only love. God is the essence of what love is. Think about that. God is love or is the essence of what love is. His love is more than just an attribute. God is love in the same sense that he is spirit. John 4 and 24. We worship him in spirit and in truth. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. He's the light. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29 says, says to us that God, let me read that to you. Chapter 12 and verse 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. So God is the essence of what love is, what makes up love. God is that attribute. He has all these attributes that make up that one word which we call love. His love, again, is more than just that one attribute. He's a spirit, His light, and the consuming fire. If you really want to understand Love. Now watch this. If you really want to understand this lesson and put it all together, examine how God loves us and what he has done for us. Now merely more than just hearing someone say, well, God gave his son for us. Go deeper than that. If you really want to understand love and examine how God loves us and what he has done for us. His love is seen in what he has done for us. All of God's dealings with us proceed from his love. Now, again in 1 John, go back to 1 John chapter 4. John, John has a lot to say about this subject that we're talking about tonight. But when you go back to 1 John chapter 4, in verses 9 and 10, it was read just a moment ago, we see some of God's dealings and how with us that proceed from his love. Notice there in verses 9 and 10 of 1 John 4. says, In this was manifested or shown the love of God toward us because that God, what? Sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Now, 
This is the foundation of our salvation. We know the scripture, John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. And not only did he send his son, and sometimes I think we miss this. <clears throat> we hear and we teach and we say, well, God sent his son to die for us. We often pray that. Thank you for sending your son to die for us and our sins. Making that great sacrifice that he came to this low land of sin and sorrow to live as we are, to be tempted as we are. We often pray those things. But I think there's one thing that we miss. Now listen closely. Not only did he send his son, God had to accept that sacrifice, didn't he? Think about that. God had to accept his sacrifice for our sins. And that is what is born out of the word of propitiation that was read just a moment ago in our uh, reading that we had before I got up. And all that remains is for us to come in contact with that sacrifice, which is what we do by obeying the gospel. But true and, and really great and wonderful as it is, God sent his son, but the reality remains that God had to accept that sacrifice. He didn't have to accept it. But it satisfied the wrath of God. God had a wrath because of mankind's sin and something had to satisfy that wrath. So that we could have salvation. So that we could have love from God. That agape love. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 says that in this love, not that we love God, but that what? He loved us. God's love was demonstrated toward all of mankind and everyone has a hope of salvation. Now you flip over to, and you know this scripture very well, but Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. And notice what it says to us. The Bible says, But God commendeth his love toward us. <laughs> In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God is love. God showed that love through the giving of his son, but he also accepted that. You know... You think about we as parents. If we were asked to give one of our children for an exchange for people whom we have not known, I'll I'll give one 
you take one child and and I'll, and whoever the a transgressor is would say, I'll take one child for all the rest of the people who are in this world. Who would be willing, or this room, who would be willing to do that? Kind of what God did, didn't it? My only begotten son. Are you starting to see what agape love is? It's a deep, deep love. And God demonstrated it toward all of mankind. Romans 5 and 8, we just mentioned a moment ago, he tells us that the death of Christ is a demonstration of God's love toward us. You might say, we could say with that scripture and sum it up, how much he loved us. <clears throat> this is how much he loved us. God commended love towards us. While we were yet sinners, while we were filthy and nasty and gross looking in the eyes of God, God gave his son. It's kind of like you could look in one way of expressing that, that giving that person in exchange for someone else. If you could think tonight of the lowest, nastiest, most violent criminal. We could probably name a few, couldn't we? That we've heard back through the years and even today. Jeffrey Dahmer is one that comes to mind. And then someone being asked, would you exchange your perfect, sinless child so that this person could live? Think about that. What would our attitude be? He's not worth or she's not worth that. I wouldn't give my child for somebody who has killed people who has murdered and cut up people. I wouldn't do that not one time. I wouldn't even consider it. Now, I'm not saying that God calls us to do that. But that's what God did, wasn't it? That's how God looked at it. And by the way, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer become a member of the Lord's church, right? They taught him the truth. Some of our brethren really questioned that. I can remember a great discussion being about that for years. That, you know, could he, could he obtain salvation? Could he be able to go to heaven? Most certainly he could. If, his true, if he had true obedience and was sincere in what he had done, most certainly. But you're telling me that he killed all those people and cut them up and done all these things and God's going to overlook that? Why? Because what? God is love. We sing that song, don't we? We surely do. His grace and mercy <clears throat> emanate out of his love. It comes out of his love. His grace, and we talk about often grace and mercy from God. We often speak of the grace of God. And grace, if you remember, means that unmerited favor. 
something that we didn't deserve or don't deserve, a gift from God. And it describes all that God has done to make salvation possible for us. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 2, in verses 4 and (coughs) 5. Excuse me. With that thought said, grace means unmerited favor, describes all that God has done to make salvation possible. Let's consider this verse tonight together. Ephesians chapter 2, in verses 4 and 5. But God... The Bible says, who is what? Rich in mercy. For his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, or you have been saved, one version puts it. That grace and that mercy that we talk about a lot comes forth out of the love of God. God's rich mercy... When you consider this, this passage and you go in and you study it in depth, God's rich mercy is seen because of His great love and grace. You think with me just for a moment what mercy is. Mercy is the outward manifestation of pity. It assumes, it assumes need on the part of him who receives it and resources adequate to meet the need on the part of him who shows it. You know, some can say as far as mercy, but do they have what it takes to give mercy? I can most certainly tell you that God does, doesn't he? God meets that need to be able to show mercy. You go into the book of Titus in chapter 3 in verses 4 and 5. Read what the Bible says with me there. It says, but after that the kindness and love of God Our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his, what, mercy, he saved us. Because of his pity and his ability to extend that mercy, he saved us. How? By the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And if you go on in verse 6, he says, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
You know, without the mercy and grace, there's no baptism. Think about that. Without the mercy and grace that emanates and comes out of the love of God, there's no baptism. And no baptism, and there's no son, no blood, there's no salvation. The love of God. Last but not least, and we'll conclude this lesson tonight. We're nowhere near done with this part, but last but not least, his long suffering demonstrates his love. The Bible speaks of long suffering of God. Second Peter three and nine. Psalms 86 and verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Though His love is not mentioned in those passages, it's not specifically mentioned, but it speaks of His long-suffering. It's obvious that his bearing with us is a product of his love. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4 describes the character of his love when it says that it suffers long. You know, when we think of our sinful condition and even more than that, the sinful condition of so many in the world... Think about how sinful our world is and how even our own selves. We often wonder, I know I do, I often wonder why God continues to put up with mankind. I often wonder. Why, why, when, I, when I hear things that I hear <clears throat> and see things that I see, why does God continue to just put up with that? You know, I learned something this week that I didn't even, you probably knew it, but I guess I live in a hole. But there's a whole group of people who identify as being a cat. Do y'all know that? Did y'all know that? I'm not trying to be facetious. This is a true story. They're called furries. That blew my mind. I was like, really? I mean, we laugh, but it's, it's, it's true. It's true. We have them right here in our county, in our school system. We have them in Upperman, and there was just an incident with one of them. Why does God put up with those things? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking literally. These people wear ears and wear tails. I mean, literally. And it's, it's, it's really gross when you go and dig it, edit it, and, and look and see what they're made up of and what they stand for, sexually based. But why does God, I mean, and we think about that just when you think it can't get any worse. How much further can man, or how much more can man do to God? 
and disgrace him. How much more? God's long-suffering. But you know the answer to that, why does God put up with it? Because what? Of his love. As grossly as we see things in the world and what mankind is doing, God loves. He doesn't want anyone to perish, which is why he sent his, his son, Jesus, to die in the first place, John 3 and verse 16. That's why. God is love. We'll conclude right there tonight. But maybe tonight you have sin in your life that's separating you between God. God continues to love you. You know, not anything can separate us totally from God. God's going to be long-suffering for you. Sin, yes, separates us. God can't be with sin. If there's sin in your life, He can't even look at you. If you've not accepted His plan of salvation of what the Bible says, being fully immersed and watered the cleansing blood of Christ for the remission of your sins, you're lost. As I do personal Bible studies, I look at different denominations, those who sprinkle with water. That's not baptism. We don't have an example of that in the Bible nowhere. People who say, I accept Jesus as my personal Savior and pray this prayer, this sinner's prayer, it's nowhere in the Bible. That's not salvation. That's not the love of God. Tonight, maybe you need to learn more about that. Maybe you need to confess sin. Maybe there's some other sin in your life that tonight you need to confess and repent of and be forgiven of and show God that you loved us. We love him because what? He first loved us. That's why, that's what brought you back here tonight. That's what brought you back here tonight, because you love God. And you know He loves you. You may not have it all figured out yet, but you love God enough to know and come and try to figure it out. Keep doing that. So tonight, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand, and as we sing.